Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, and today we're with Mark and Tim. How's it going, guys? Uh, I'm great, thanks. Thanks for inviting yeah, welcome. I'm doing better than you, I think. <laughs> yeah, so yesterday I was really preparing half for that podcast. And so I wanted to feel like Ahrefs users right now. So I went out and I drank a lot and now I'm really hangover. <laughs> so I have the same feeling as people have for the new DR, even though the new patch feels a lot better it feel for to us and we quite like it actually. But we're going to talk about domain rating update today. So my voice sounds a little bit funny. I was just doing field research, so forgive me. <laughs> if you want all the notes for that podcast, they can be found on authorityhiker.com slash dr dash update. And yeah, let's talk about Ahrefs updates first. And then we're going to slowly talk about metrics in general, which metrics are like vanity metrics. Like, should you care about, should you even care about your domain rating and all these things, basically. So... To get started, I think, Tim, what would be cool is if you could actually catch up people on what is domain rating for Ahrefs, which is the tool that we use, and, you know, what do you guys change, basically? Yeah, so basically, domain rating is the site-wide metric, where we try to give you some kind of estimate of how strong is the backlink profile of a given website. And we'll do that basically by calculating links from domain to domain. So... I published already two pretty like long articles where I explained the process step by step. But basically, to cut the long story short, uh, we only calculate the follow links from domain to domain, and we only calculate one link. So if domain is linking to another domain with two do follow links or more, we don't take that into account. And uh, the of course, the DR of the linking domains is also taken into account. So this is like a rough representation of how a domain rating is being transformed from a domain to a domain. You can think of it like a page rank, but for like on, on the domain level. So that was the idea. And I think actually it is a little bit more complicated on our backend because there is some math there and some like programming stuff that needs to be done uh, when you're doing this on such a huge scale. But overall, yeah, this is like uh, how we calculate the kind of, I, I like to call it link popularity of your website because it shows you like how many other websites are linking to you and how many websites each of these websites is also linking to. So yeah, it's kind of uh, also the concept of uh, giving votes. Okay. And so you had domain rating for a long time. I mean, almost since I started using Ahrefs like a long, long time ago. But you recently changed it, and that caused a lot of like drama a little bit in the SEO community. So why did you have to change it in the first place? Uh, yeah, so basically, we had to change it because because of the feedback from our customers. There were a lot of questions to our support, and even some questions were popping up in our Facebook group where people were referring to certain DR scores, to certain DR ranges. And they had certain expectations. So, for example, they thought that like if domain is DR30, it's kind of uh, 
authority side, like low authority, but still authority. But when we, we looked into it, we realized that this is kind of like almost a brand new website and it didn't deserve their authority. So uh, we decided to take a look at like what was happening in DDR, like what was the scale, how the distribution looked like, because actually no one was looking into this for quite a few years, to be honest, since basically this metric was introduced. And so when we actually started uh, trying out uh, what was happening uh, with DDR, plotting it on the scale and uh, checking the double checking the calculations we saw that we weren't really using the scale in the best possible way and i think this is something that was already outlined quite a few times uh, in facebook group on twitter in my articles in comments on reddit pretty much everywhere that a lot of the sites i'd say even the vast majority were clustered in the range somewhere around dr30 to dr50 so, like, even if you launch a new website and build a few links to it, it would uh, magically uh, pop as DR30. And this was, uh, of course, wrong. So we decided that we need to recalculate DR, basically uh, rescale it, uh, put it on the scale in a way which, which would more accurately represent how all the websites on the web look like. I think that's an important thing just to to emphasize. I think your last blog post did that very well. When I first read the post about the first update, I thought it was more of a recalculation, but in, in actual fact, it's more of a rescaling what, what you said. And I think that's that's where quite a bit of the, the confusion, at least early on, uh, came from. Yeah, I, I totally agree to that. And uh, it's probably uh, my fault. Because actually, when I was talking to the guys, to our data science team, it was all about like the calculation, the math behind it. Because when you plot like 170, 100 million domains uh, on a scale from zero to 100, uh, you have to like do some calculations, you have to do some math. And uh, of course, there's a way kind of like we save it in our database and all that stuff that they don't even understand. So it's basically was the new DR formula, and uh, I was explaining it as the new DR formula and blah, blah, blah. But basically, yes, the calculation of uh, how we call it the raw DR, because, of course, we need some kind of raw values that we will then turn into, that we, we will then plot on a scale from 0 to 100. But yeah, basically, uh, if you look at it the other way, it would be just uh, plotting them on a scale differently. That must take some intense uh, like computer resources. Like, how do you even do that? Like, have you built your own software that does this? Or that's not a question to me, actually. But yeah, I believe the raw work, the the raw programming is done on the backend. So I'm almost shooting the moon right now because uh, I don't even know how this works. But I believe that it is uh, when the crawler crawls everything and discovers new domain. Uh, it basically starts saving the information almost right away. So it's kind of ingrained in our crawler. This is how at least I understand it, but I may be terribly wrong here. Yeah. I just want to say that discussion is not helping my hangover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. But there was actually a first update for domain rating that you did yeah. that I don't think the community liked it very much. And you guys actually, you know, what I really appreciate with you guys is like, we gave you a lot of feedback and you were like, okay, let's, let's rethink that. And, and actually like reacted pretty fast. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot of work to even refigure it out. So can you tell us what happened there? 
yes. So when we plotted the raw DR, DR values on the new scale, we tried to do it kind of in a way that we thought would represent the web. <laughs> so almost all of the websites ended up in range like from zero to 10. Because if you look at like sites at, uh, like Facebook, eBay, and others, this is where your, your own site should be, like in a range from zero to 10. So we released that, happy of ourselves, uh, and we thought we were doing the right thing. But we didn't really take into account that people not only want to know uh, where their website uh, is compared to like the super big guys, but people also need some granularity to, to be able to differentiate between the sites. Of course, we have hrefs rank for granularity, and uh, like this is why we, we didn't think it would be a problem. But then quite a few people pointed out that hrefs rank is not that easy to understand in terms of like numbers. It, it's easy to understand the number from zero to 100, then like so, some millions, thousands, or anything like that. So yeah, we had to go back to the drawing board, as they say, and we had to use our scale a little bit better. So we repositioned around a million of websites, maybe a little more, that were previously in DR0 to 10 uh, range to, to the rest of the scale. So we, we just used the scale a little better to allow some more granularity to people who were like using it for link prospecting and such. Basically, nothing changed. If you look at the scale, still, like the vast majority of the websites uh, will be at the lower end of the scale. But because we uh, used it a little bit better, now we added some granularity for websites that have more links. I saw you also added uh, decimal points, at least in the on-site, uh, not in the exports, but in the uh, des- like uh, browser version of Ahrefs to like the lower end, so you know, like DR 4.2 now and stuff. Was that done for the same reason then, I presume? Yeah, yeah. This was because people wanted to to have more granularity and they didn't want to use href rank. So we had to, to do this. And uh, I think I answered to someone in the comments in our Facebook group that to add the decimal points to Site Explorer overview, it was something we could do easily with the current setup. But if we decide to make this change kind of tool-wide or site-wide, we would have to work quite a bit to also include it in all exports, in all reports, uh, and to make sure it is synced everywhere. So it's a lot of work. So right now we did what was easy to do, to edit an overview, and then we'll see like how it goes and if people will keep asking to introduce these decimal points everywhere in our toolset. I see. And, and has the response thus far, have people indicated that that's something they want? Not really, to be honest. <laughs> What is the response now, actually? I think the, the response now is mostly positive because just uh, a few days ago, members mm-hmm. of our support team posted a message in our Slack channel that th- there's a lot of positive reaction from our customers and uh, a lot of people enjoyed how we handled everything. Uh, a lot of people enjoyed that we were easy to react and easy to adapt to the use cases that people were telling us. So I think uh, in the end, it, it all went super well. I actually even even the first edition of the DR, which was which kind of punished small sites, still a lot of people enjoyed it because they felt that uh, it better represents like what the internet looks like. But after the patch, a little bit of rescaling, I think the feedback is even better now. Cool. So the goal was to make it worse, so that when it gets better, people feel better about it, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Personal. 
like, I guess by talking to all these people all the time, you've gained a better understanding on what people use domain rating for. What do they use it for? I think the most popular use case, well, I think there are two most popular use cases. One is when people use it as a metric to report to their clients. And the, the other use case is, of course, for link prospecting, because people want to know, like, if it would make sense to get a link from a certain website or how much they should pay to get a link from a certain website. So these are the most popular use cases, of course. So it's like a page rank replacement or most rank replacement, not most rank, but domain authority replacement, basically. Ooh, I cannot say this because I don't, I, I don't understand why something like domain authority should be used to report to clients or to vet link prospects. Yeah, uh, but that's actually, that's why I brought up the question because like, you know, I, w- I want to understand like what people use it for. And actually the next question is, do you think sometimes people use domain rating when they shouldn't and what other metrics should they use in which case? Yeah, I explained that in my article. So basically, if you use domain rating as a metric to report to your clients, you shouldn't use it in isolation. I think every SEO that, that has been in the industry for a while will eventually arrive to the point that the best metric that they can report to their clients is uh, search traffic, even above the rankings. Because like uh, the rankings for a few keywords that are super important for your client might go up, but because of the ads, because of the featured snippets, because of the distribution of clicks in the search results, the search traffic might not grow too much. But if you're reporting on the search traffic in general, you might not even move these like super important keywords, but the long tail might be bringing you a lot of traffic and the traffic might convert into money, into customers for your client and uh, the client will be happy. So this is the best metric that an SEO agency can report, but sometimes it is not possible, especially if you're focusing, for example, if your agency is focusing on link building, of course, you need some kind of metrics But still, even if your agency is focusing on link building, uh, you can send your client a report with the actual links that you're building for them. And usually you don't have to be an SEO expert to kind of open the URLs of where the links are coming from and see if those are like nice, uh, legit websites or those are kind of PBN looking websites that no one is reading uh, and no one is checking out. Yeah, I mean, you say that, but like you've been doing that for a long time. I'm telling you, we had an agency and people could not tell actually in many cases, like we would work really hard on good links and we'd be like, okay, and wouldn't see the difference actually. But I think it's just because we've been doing that for a super long time, actually. Do you think people were overreacted to the change of domain rating? No, no, I don't think that people were overreacting. Maybe that's because I was mostly communicating with our own community where like people are mostly super nice. There were like a few guys, maybe one or two who were on the edge of being rude. But when I kind of hinted them that I'm not like uh, having a pleasant time communicating with them uh, while they're acting in this way, they kind of quickly fixed their communication. So I I don't think there was kind of any any kind of rude backslash. I think that when people were giving us feedback, it was mostly like with arguments, like everything was fair. And this is why actually we fixed, because we did see that people are saying us the things that really needs to be fixed and not just overreacting about something. Yeah, so you guys mostly use your Facebook group, right? How has that, like, how was it worth it as a brand to have that Facebook group? Like, did you feel the value in that crisis? Or, like, did you regret having it because you get, like, maybe overwhelming feedback? Or, like, how did that go over there? 
No, I think Facebook group is uh, is our best channel of like keeping our uh, hand on the pulse of the customer base. I think whenever we want to release something on or whenever we have released something and we want to know like if people enjoyed it or not, besides looking at like the usage in Google Analytics or anything like this, just post it to Facebook group and based on the feedback from people, you can see if what you did or what you're about to do is going to be good or not. So yeah, I think Facebook group is uh, is doing great things for us. I just want to go back a bit. So you were saying that a couple minutes ago that basically DR is not a very good way to report on, for example, like links if you're selling those to, to clients or something. What should people use in the, that case when it's not really possible to use search traffic? Well, I said that DR is not... I referenced my articles because this is where I explained it like in, in detail. But what I wanted to say is that DR shouldn't be used uh, in reporting in isolation. It should be used alongside other factors. Because, again, at the end of the day, in this case, if you're reporting on links, the other factors would be, for example, the UR of the page that you got links from. Which other factors would that be in this case? So because when Hrefs calculates UR, which stands for URL rating, we actually take into account internal links. So the page that you're getting links from may not have external links, uh, but it, it may have some nice internal links from, from that website. And if website has high DR and the page has uh, a lot of internal links, that might translate into like good UR of the page. So did, did you feel that a lot of people were misusing DR and that's why you were getting some of the feedback that you, you, you perhaps did? I don't think I can say a lot. But yeah, quite a few people were using it the wrong way. But at the same time, there were a lot of people, or quite a few people again, who understood like that uh, you cannot use site-wide metric to vet links that come from individual pages. Because like you don't need to have like many years of experience in SEO to solve this kind of simple logical puzzle. I think though, when you're dealing with things at scale and you need like a single metric to be able to do that, it may not be the most accurate way to do it, but it certainly seems like the most common way that people are assessing, you know, whether a link's good or not is to ha- like, if you need to do it in, you know, two seconds, you, that most people would, would tend to look at that. Yeah, of course. Like uh, your end goal is to get links from uh, kind of authority pages because this is how PageRank works. And it so happens that pages on high DR websites tend to attract links. So uh, when you're picking prospects and you're choosing between like DR5 website and DR60 website, of course, your best guess is that if you publish a page on DR60 website, it should generate that page, that individual page, uh, should generate more links than the new page on the R3 website. So it makes sense just because of the kind of rolling popularity of each website. But again, at the same time, you can publish a link, a page on the R3 website, and that page would be super popular and it will attract a lot of links. 
and it might give you more value than a page on DR60 website that no one will ever find. Is granularity at the at the low end? I mean, you've t- certainly taken steps to to fix that. Uh, that was quite a common complaint after like the first update, and adding the the decimal point to the the site explorer was, I, I think, a good step. You did mention earlier that you're not currently planning to launch that in like uh, around all of hrefs or in the, the the exports but do you think that's going to make it more difficult for people link building or are you essentially saying that they shouldn't be looking at the dr1 or dr0 type sites for for links and they should should use other metrics instead actually my opinion is that when you're differentiating between websites with like dr0 or dr1 the quality of links would be more or less the same so there's not too much difference between DR0 or DR1 websites that you would really care that, uh, okay, I don't want like DR0 website, but I want DR1 website. No, it doesn't work that way because like even if you look like just a few months ahead, quality DR0 website might uh, be like DR3 in like two or three months. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. Uh, when Entrepreneur on Fire started, which it wasn't known at all, like it was literally like episode five. Now he has like 1,500. And we had the agency. I actually got one of our clients on the podcast because I was like, oh, this guy is like doing something right. It's going to be big, etc." And that link was like had no value initially, but actually now is like a really good link for them. So yeah, I think thinking about the links you built, like when you see something growing or you you believe in something, it's worth going after it despite the metrics actually. Yeah, I mean like all the websites in DR zero to five range, they are pretty small and they'd say they are like in equal position. So if we're talking about kind of white hat link building. I would suggest to pay more attention to the actual quality of the website and your best bet if this website will be around in a few years. Because again, we, we know a lot of cases where people launch websites and then uh, they don't see any value from this website. So they just don't want to pay for domain name and hosting and they cancel them. So you get a link from a website and then it disappears. Or you get a link from a website and it grows like Entrepreneur on Fire did. Yeah. Do you know, do you have a percentage of like how many, what percentage of links drop every month or something like that? Like, did you guys ever check that? Uh, you actually have a report in HRF's visual report of new and lost. I'm links. talking in general, like globally, you know, like, mm-hmm. do, you, do you guys have an idea of like uh, across all data you have? No, no, no. We, we didn't, didn't study that. I think uh, it could That'd be, be a good uh, blog post, I think. Do you think you can turn like one number into a blog post? Well, I think just talking about links dropping and talking about selecting yourself, your targets, knowing the drop rate. If the I think the drop rate would be much higher than people expect it to be. You know? Yeah, probably. And then, and then you're like, well, you know, you're investing all this money in link building, but really, you should consider that when you're doing it because really, like, ten percent of your links or something disappear every month. And then, here's how you can pick sites that are less likely to drop your links. You know. Or like what mm-hmm. to do when your links drop, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. There are certain caveats uh, when we're talking about how Hrefs picks up uh, lost links. I mean, some technical things where, for example, when a page changes from HTTP to HTTPS, our crawler works the way that we see that old page from HTTP started redirecting to HTTPS 
but our crawler, it cannot crawl the new HTTPS page right away to discover that same link there. And to identify that link wasn't lost, it it is just the page was redirected to HTTPS version of itself. Yeah, I've seen that on the report, actually. Like on the report for dropped links, I've seen that a lot, actually. So, yeah. Yeah, and there are quite a few different cases of when uh, the link can, can be lost, and it takes our crawler a while to figure that out. So this is why if you publish any stats about links being lost, I'd have to write a lot of kind of side notes to explain what can kind of skew these numbers and make them not like 100% accurate. I think like one issue or you know perhaps the reason why a lot of people are maybe misusing the metric is because us as online marketers we like to systematize and create processes for everything and then hand those off to VAs or or whatever and at least up until now DR has been the best way to actually quickly like explain that to someone without having to teach them how to manually go through a website and check the quality and and you know look for other other qualitative factors i guess what i'm trying to say i like how how you said that uh, up until now there was the good way because right now it's even the better way <laughs> sure well i mean the, the, i i guess what i'm saying with that is because it's changed it's going to take people a little while to kind of get a better sense for what a DR1 site is now, what a DR20, what a DR50 is now, because people's kind of intuition about what those numbers actually translates to has has changed quickly, and it takes a while to get a feel for that. Sure, but, but now you're not going to get links from DR30 websites and expect that your rankings will skyrocket like the next week. I mean, that was never an issue for us. Like our issue was more on like the, the process end of things. So like we were rightly or wrongly using DR as a way to determine the quality of a website, whether we wanted to get a link from it or not. And also to... Yeah, well, like I said, yeah, continue. No, <laughs> and we're also like teaching people how to do that in, in a certain way. While I appreciate that like that, you know, you can certainly go a lot further in terms of understanding whether a site's you want to link from the site or not and like what the quality is. The current version of Ahrefs doesn't allow you to export those other metrics like Ahrefs rank. Is that something that you're, you're potentially going to be adding in? Yes, adding stuff to exports shouldn't be a problem, to be honest. But again, like I said, we always look at what the community wants because you can imagine that our to-do list is pretty large. So just the matter of prioritizing what we can do next. And there are quite a few features that people are requesting like almost every single day. So if uh, adding HF's rank to reports would be something that a lot of people would be consistently requesting from us, we'll do that. So you know that when uh, you've seen quite a few cases where people started actively asking for something, and uh, the team uh, was forgetting like about everything else and just switched to the problem that people were talking about. So yeah, we're we're kind of reactive. And when we see so- some issue that a lot of people want fixed, we will fix it quite quickly. What is the best way that people can give you that feedback? I think I saw you had a, a feedback form or something somewhere on your site. Yeah, we have a service called Kenny.io where people can uh, submit their feature requests and uh, upload feature requests from others. But actually, we don't have any fixed way that we would say that uh, is the best way to make HF's team to do something for you. 
Because we have quite a few channels, we have a Facebook group, we have support chat, we have support email, we have Twitter, we have conversation on Reddit. Uh, I'm also on quite a few Slack groups related to digital marketing. So actually, when we want to squeeze something into our roadmap, into our to-do list, we look uh, at kind of how how something spreads. If we see that some question uh, gets asked on across different channels, uh, this is when we're going to take action. So basically what you're saying is people should make a lot of noise and you'll listen to them. Yeah, yeah. People should make us believe that what they're asking is objective. Because, you know, like I've tried it quite a few things. We tried it quite a few things. Whenever you request, whenever you post a request in, for example, in our Facebook group and saying, hey, guys, do you want us to add this feature? The answer would almost always be overwhelming, overwhelming yes. Because why won't we add some feature if we can? Of course, people want more features. So if you suggest, if you give them an option, should we add it or should we not? Of course, they will say yes. Okay, cool. So we should start a hashtag uh, add Ahrefs rank to export and uh, and you'll listen to us then. Uh, no, more. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting, it's perhaps like the first time you, you guys have made like such a, a big change, at least to, to one of your core metrics, or, or at least recently anyway. What's been the sort of learning uh, process or what's been like the, the big thing that you've learned as a company and how you implement and communicate these changes to your customers? Mm, I'm having a hard time answering this. I don't know. I, I, I don't know about kind of the lesson that we have learned. I think like everything went smooth. And the next time we're going to release something, we're going to do pretty much the same. So one thing I can say is that we realized early on that we need to first tell people about this update and then roll it out. This was the, the I believe, the first time in the history of HFs where we announced the feature to our user base first to prepare everyone for what's coming and then launched it. I saw a few people in your group saying that, you know, like they're having a hard time explaining it to their clients and, and that kind of stuff. Do you think that was just because math in the way you calculate it is a complicated thing? Or was that maybe because they didn't really have enough time to prepare? It's hard for me to answer for, for these people because I don't know what's their situation. All I can say is that when we released the, the article and uh, we created notifications within HRFs, we sent emails, we posted it on Facebook group. No one, not a single person asked us like, guys, can you like give us one more week to tell this to customers or guys, can you give us one more week to like, I don't know, change the pricing that we have on our backlinks or something like this? No one. So I don't know. I don't know like what were the problems of people who were saying that they didn't have enough time or anything along those lines. Okay, fair enough. And is it something that you're likely to change more frequently or is it sort of, is it set as it is now and it's unlikely to change in the in the short term at least? It depends. Like I said, we have a huge roadmap. We have uh, a lot of interesting things that we want to add and we have quite a few different tools that can be upgraded. So it's not that we're like thinking how can we improve DR more? How can we improve DR more? DR is not the only thing that we have in HRFs. But like I said, if we'll see that people are coming up with kind of different use cases, different 
perceptions of the art or giving us uh, interesting suggestions of what should or shouldn't be added. And we will come up with uh, some super awesome idea, which would be at the same time not too hard to implement. Uh, yeah, we might go back to DR and impl- implement something new, but we're not looking specifically to be upgrading this metric and <laughs> irritating people with new and new updates. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, for us, like I, I think it's great that you're actively working on it and always trying to trying to make it better. You know, for for us, it means we have to kind of go back and edit a bunch of videos in AH Pro and stuff. But you know, that's fine. It's just good to know You're that. In the same position. Yeah, I can imagine all of your, you know, blog posts on the site, and you know, yeah. the reference is probably a bit of a nightmare to, uh, to go back and uh, and fix that. So yeah, I'm gonna ask a really kind of like not related question, but I think people want to know what's next for Ahrefs. <laughs> well, uh, right now, a lot of effort is being put into site audit tool, which we released like a few months ago. There are still a ton of improvements that can be done there. And a lot of people were asking about reports. So we're also looking to integrate like kind of automated reports into site audit and then probably make them uh, kind of use data from all other tools that we have. So probably this is one of the kind of directions that we're taking, which is pretty obvious because a lot of people were requesting us to to create those reports that they can send to their customers. And there are quite a few other things that I'm not sure I can disclose. All right, all right. I tried. It's like if I don't ask people, we're like, oh, you should have asked me. You're not hard enough or like you're not inquisitive enough. So uh, I had to ask. I have one last question about domain rating, actually. Does that affect your difficulty at all in the QO2? Uh, right now, no, not. Uh, it doesn't. Okay. Uh, so keyword difficulty is also a fun thing because we have a couple billion keywords in our database and we have keyword difficulty cached for like most of them. So uh, there's some uh, nice calculations going on our backend to make this happen. And basically the, the keyword difficulty number, we, we need to balance between the complexity of the formula that we use and the accuracy that we get as a result. So back when we were uh, releasing the first version of our keyword difficulty, where there were there was also a lot of feedback, people were telling us that you should take this into account, you should take that into account, blah, 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 blah. But if people want to have cached numbers for like millions and millions and millions of keywords, they need to understand that we need to use some kind of simple formula to not make this metric expensive. Yes, of course, we can we can create like super, uh, super sophisticated formula that would take into account pretty much everything that we have in HRFs. But then we will put this metric to agency accounts. So would you buy agency account just to have this like sophisticated keyword difficulty metric that would include everything that you wanted to include? Probably not. So this is why our keyword difficulty is quite simple because when we were playing with adding different levels sophistication and were checking the how keyword difficulty correlates with the mostly with with how people perceive because keyword difficulty is also quite subjective metric some people think that one keyword difficulty is fair other think that it's the other so if you show one keyword to 10 different seo specialists they won't give you the same number right so it's 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 also quite subjective and you cannot really measure if your keyword difficulty is good or not 
And we were having these kinds of conversations with uh, our team, and we decided to create a simple chip chip metric that we can calculate for millions of keywords and let our customers like put their seed keyword, get a few million keyword suggestions, and then quickly filter through a few blah, blah, blah. But if people want to have cached numbers for like millions and millions and millions of keywords, they need to understand that we need to use some kind of simple formula to not make this metric expensive. Yes, of course, we can we can create like super, uh, super sophisticated formula that would take into account pretty much everything that we have in HREFs. But then we will put this metric to agency accounts. So would you buy agency account just to have this like sophisticated keyword difficulty metric that would include everything that you wanted to include? Probably not. So this is why our keyword difficulty is quite simple because when we were playing with adding different levels sophistication and we're checking the how keyword difficulty correlates with the mostly with with how people perceive because keyword difficulty is also quite subjective metric some people think that one keyword difficulty is fair other think that it's the other so if you show one keyword to 10 different seo specialists they won't give you the same number right so it's 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 also quite subjective and you cannot really measure if your keyword difficulty is good or not and we were having these kinds of conversations with uh, our team and we decided to create a simple chip chip metric that we can calculate for millions of keywords and let our customers like put their seed keyword, get a few million keyword suggestions, and then quickly filter through a few million keyword suggestions based based on the cached keyword difficulty. Yeah, I imagine that's probably a, a common thing. Like the more complexity you add to to these kind of calculations, with the amount of sheer amount of data that you guys process and store, yeah. the, the computing costs and storage costs and calculation costs must be through the roof yeah same with dr so people were telling us uh, when they saw my step-by-step process of how how we calculate dr uh, they were saying like why do you calculate only one link from a domain why don't you calculate all links from one domain to another domain uh, to which I responded that uh, if we calculate links between domains, there are only 170,000, uh, 170 million domains in our database. But if we start calculating domain rating, considering uh, including pages, uh, we have, I think, 180 billion pages. So you can understand what kind of uh, complexity it adds to the DR formula. Yeah, there's, 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 2.1 trillion external backlinks, 189 billion pages in the index. They have 2,500 servers with 256 terabytes of RAM. <laughs> yeah, some pretty big numbers up there. 5.5 billion keywords. Yeah, take that Bitcoin miners, you know. Um, wasn't, uh, I, think, I think I heard a figure which may not be accurate, so I'm putting a lot of quotes on that, but I think a couple of years ago, I heard that Moz was spending like half a million dollars on, on servers or something. I'm sure you guys are probably a bit more efficient than they used to be because they were known for not being very efficient, but the server costs of that stuff is, is just insane. It's just to give an idea to people like these things that can really, really, really cost a lot of money. And I'm sure the infrastructure behind Ahrefs, like, can you tell us like how big it is? Like, uh, you can go to hfs.com slash big data uh, and you'll see uh, pretty, we update this, some of these numbers are updated in real time, others are updated like once in a few months. 
But that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Let me. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised Dimitri is not mining cryptos with this as well now, but. Uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, whatever. I can. I'm happy because I can use Ahrefs. Let's like enlarge a little, a little bit the debate to finish up and talk about metrics in general. So I think one of the questions we had for you was like, are you guys planning adding new metrics in Ahrefs soon, uh, or what metrics? If you could build any metric right now, which one would you add to Ahrefs? And I think those numbers about the servers are el- <laughs> the, the numbers about the servers are a little bit outdated. I think we need to put the new ones because uh, our server fleet, I believe, is growing every few months. I have a question about the the estimated organic traffic. So my understanding is that you guys calculated <laughs> calculate that based off of estimated search traffic for the keywords that a site's ranking for. Have you ever done any testing to see how well your estimates correlate with reality? Uh, yeah, so the the most common request uh, after people realized how the DR really works, uh, they wanted us to add a metric that would be closer to what they call domain authority, uh, which would also take into account uh, kind of uh, the visibility of the domain of that website in the search results, what kind of search traffic they are getting, or the kind of authority of the links. Uh, in other words, use more factors in uh, in such a metric and yeah we have quite a few different ideas actually we, we are playing with different metrics uh, all the time but like i said is is just the the dilemma between uh, calculating something sophisticated and making our users pay for it by putting it on like higher tier accounts uh, or creating something simple that all everyone will say I don't trust this metric, it doesn't work, and blah, blah, blah. So this is the reason we don't have a spam score till this date. Because we don't want to create some kind of simple metric because that's not what people are expecting Mm -hmm. from Ahrefs, being kind of the leading backlink data provider. People are expecting that if we add spam score to our system, it would be like super accurate, right? And uh, when we were playing with different, different ways to calculate spam score we didn't find the solution that would be that would make sense from uh, the kind of development standpoint and give the level of accuracy that people are expecting so same with all other metrics we're playing with quite a few of them and uh, we want to release something that would make sense from uh, from that standpoint okay that makes sense one thing i'm wondering as well is like well you guys are like spending a lot of time thinking about metrics right and you also run a blog that's like doing quite well and really good. One of the only blogs in the industry I read now. So, um, <laughs> and so I wanted to know like how, what metrics you guys look at when you actually run your blog because I think that would be interesting to be interesting to people who are listening and maybe a bit more practical. Yeah. So of course the primary metrics are the total search traffic that is coming to our blog, and then immediately the next metric is the traffic that is coming to individual articles that we think are the most relevant to our business and uh, therefore the highest converting. Because, for example, if you take our article about uh, how to submit your website to search engines, it generates quite a lot of traffic. I think it's in top five our most, our best articles by traffic, but it doesn't uh, convert really well because it's a little bit far away from what we do. But if you take our guide to keyword research, which uh, probably not not getting that much traffic as this article, but it converts incredibly well. 
So yeah, other than looking at our total search traffic, we also look at how the individual articles that we know convert people well are performing. So these are, in terms of blog, these are our two best metrics. And also we don't really look at uh, immediate leads because as I was trying to explain in one of my recent articles at Medium, I don't believe in uh, kind of straightforward sales funnels. And actually, we see that at HRFs, a lot of cases where, for example, an employee of some company would read our article, then would register a trial account, try it out and cancel and never go uh, come back. So we might uh, come to the conclusion that uh, we failed to convert this guy. But in reality, what happens is that this guy, after testing our trial, uh, would go to his boss and ask to register a company account like uh, advanced while he was trying out like light, light account. And uh, then uh, in our kind of lead scoring software, we have a lead that comes almost out of nowhere and gets advanced account right away. So this is like the the part of sales funnels that we don't see. Did you ever find a way to track that or are you just accepting that you'll never know? Yeah, we're just accepting that we'll never know because there are just so many scenarios of how that might happen. Okay. Um, okay, sure. Uh, I thought that may... Go ahead. That's really interesting, actually. Do you have any data on how the featured snippets have affected CTR curve? Uh, no, we didn't, because for that we need to request access to Google Analytics. And uh, even then, uh, Google Analytics has doesn't show all traffic. So basically, we, we would need to request access to server logs from people to track the actual search traffic that they're getting. And this is quite hard. But what I can say is that, uh, to the best of my knowledge, our formula of calculating search traffic is the most sophisticated on the market right now uh, for the following reasons. First of all, we don't look at the search volume of a keyword alone. As you know, we also have clicks metric. Because of click stream, we know how many clicks uh, each keyword is getting uh, on the search results. And then because of click stream, we also know what's the CTR distribution. So basically for each keyword in our uh, database, we have unique CTR curve. Well, not for each, but for the keywords where we have enough clickstream data to build this CTR curve. So while uh, uh, some other similar tools will just take the search volume uh, and apply the CTR curve to the same CTR curve to all keywords and calculate traffic this way, what we would do is we would calculate the traffic coming from each keyword individually and we we would also take into account like uh, if there are ads in, in yeah. the search results if there are featured snippets and such and such i think i think i have some reading to do this weekend then <laughs> of course i think you don't read our blog right <laughs> i published i published the research i think it was last year about featured snippets uh, and there was a lot of information. I think, uh, if I remember it correctly, if there is no featured snippet, the, the first the top ranking result would get 21% of clicks. But if there is a featured snippet, the featured snippet would get something around 9% of clicks. And the first result would get around 10. So something along these lines. But yeah, just, just Google for featured snippets HRFs and you will find this study. And there are a lot of interesting numbers there. And we'll link to all of this on the show notes. 
Yeah, basically, like I'm hangover and you're illiterate. So, uh, <laughs> great podcast. I think I think we're gonna slowly wrap it up because that is already a pretty long discussion. Is there anything concerning the latest updates that we should have asked and we haven't asked? No, I don't think so. <laughs> You've asked quite a lot of questions. Okay, yeah, and and I actually didn't ask all the questions on the note, but I'm already seeing we're past 50 minutes on that podcast, which is a little crazy. So to finish, I think what would be cool is if you know you guys have access to a lot of data in Ahrefs, you see a lot of things that just single site owners cannot really see. Based on like all the stuff you've seen, what is one thing that a tip that you could give to people, or maybe something that most people do wrong in the way they run, they try to grow their website that, you know, you think they could fix that you've seen using the HF data? So basically the, the best tip I can give is to consider the long tail because uh, SEO kind of, it starts from keyword research because you want to pick the keywords that will bring you the most search traffic. And the, the only metric that people usually use to uh, make the estimation of how much traffic they're going to get is the search volume of this single keyword. And what they're not taking into account is how many other similar keywords their page will rank for. And what's the total search traffic they're, that they're going to get. So this is why in, uh, in Keywords Explorer, we have SERP overview report, where for each of the top 10 ranking pages, we will show you the amount of total search traffic that it gets. So even you see that the keyword is not really popular according to its uh, search volume, you can still see that the top-ranking articles get a ton of traffic. So I think this is what most people, uh, not most, but a lot of people are overlooking right now. I agree, actually. I mean, even for the way I do keyword research now, so like I used to be like very like difficulty-centered. So I was like, oh, if it's too competitive, I don't want to mm -hmm. go for it. I just want to pick battles I can win, etc. And lately, the way I've been doing it is quite interesting. It's like... I don't. I go for really big keywords, and I I never end up ranking for the big keyword. But just with the long tail, I end up actually often getting more traffic than when I try to pick like find narrower stuff. You know, just because you're gonna end up ranking for like so many long tail keywords, which also have a much bigger volume than maybe like a more niche keyword. And as a result, it's like yeah, search traffic is actually doing better doing it that way and actually not being afraid of going for the big topics, provided you like make a really in-depth article that will naturally, you know, get a lot of these long-term keywords, etc. So, so yeah, it's working well. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up. You can find all the notes and all the links to all the articles that Tim mentioned on authorityhacker.com slash grupdate. Don't be like Mark, read their, read their blog. And thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for being with us, Tim. Yeah, I think it's also worth mentioning that if someone's not a not a subscriber to Ahrefs or is not customer rather, they probably should be. Uh, it's like uh, they, I think they have a seven day trial, yeah. a seven day seven dollar trial. Is that right? And we are an affiliate, so we'll definitely put a call to action. Um, so thanks for listening, guys. Uh, AtariHacker.com slash gr-update. You can find everything we've mentioned. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.